Hello and welcome to season three of Financial Secrets Revealed. My name is Amanda Kassar and for season three, we are going to be meeting the experts. We will be talking to people who arrange socially conscious investments. We will be interviewing a former Olympic swimmer who is now the head of a large Australian bond company. We talk to a financial advisor to see how advisors can actually add value. We also discuss ETFs, contrarian investing. So I hope you enjoy doing this deep dive with me into meeting the experts and learning a lot more about investing. Hello and welcome to season three of the Financial Secrets Revealed podcast, Meet the Experts. Today, I am joined by Josh Ziegelbaum, and I hope I've said that correctly, Josh, all the way from Florida. Hi, Amanda. It's great to be here with you. Thank you for joining me. Now, your role is the Director of Investor Relations for the Legacy Group, I believe. That is correct. I'm based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida but I support Legacy Group and its investor relations and capital raising functions for our portfolio companies, one of which is Green Coffee Company. It's Colombia's largest coffee producer. Uh, we absolutely focus on impact investing and ESG, and we have um, a close eye on the market and what's kind of developing there. And, and, and we're doing some really interesting things at Legacy Group and through our portfolio companies, which I'm happy to unpack. Excellent. And today, obviously, this isn't a, a product vlog by me. I'm really focused on the ESG and questions people may have about social and impact investing. So I've had more clients coming to me asking for sustainable or social or ethical investments. Can you explain a little bit more about ESG and social and why people are going to be attracted to that these days? Yes, of course. So ESG is very much at front and center in media today. And it has been. We've seen a trend in that in recent years where investors, stakeholders, and companies are focused on doing things right. So for us at Legacy Group, ESG means high social environmental impact at its core. So everything we that's done at companies' operational level, every decision that's made, we think about all stakeholders in the business, not just under a profitability lens, so what's happening in the communities where you're investing, what's happening with operations in terms of environmental impact, um, and from a governance perspective, are things done in a sustainable manner, in a manner which we could be proud of? So this is something that's becoming more important. Uh, people are more cognizant of their effect on the world, of what legacy they'll leave behind, no pun intended on Legacy Group, of course, but uh, you know, kind of really doing things right um, that in a way that we can be proud of in a sustainable manner that attracts investment and, and attracts growth opportunities. Brilliant. So it covers the ethical, the sustainability and the government's governance part of companies and investing. So if people go, look, that sounds like me, I'd, I'd like to do that. I'm looking up some ESG investing. Does, you know, popping the ESG sticker on an investment to attract people interested in that truly mean that we have a green or sustainable investment? What sort of criteria do you need to say you're an ESG investment? Yeah, I mean, it's such a such a wide definition. It's so, it's not narrowed down to the point where I think people can effectively even say that it's ESG or impact, and it in fact is. You know, we're seeing a tremendous amount of greenwashing and people that are saying that they're doing things in a sustainable manner. But just as a somewhat dramatic example, if you're a, 
arms dealer and manufacturer, but you donate 10% of your profits to sustainability metrics, or you have a division in the company that focuses on impact and sustainability, whereas the core business does not have a high social environmental impact. We see a lot of that in the market, whether it's oil companies or other kind of, you know, things that you could almost say are anti-ESG at their core, the core mission of companies that are labeling themselves as impact and as ESG. So it's very much a buyer beware at the moment. We've seen some of the really big companies like Mercer and Vanguard, you know, find in Australia for not being true to label and saying what they do, which is under Australian law, misleading and deceptive conduct. So they've been done for greenwashing. Uh, so I, I think it's difficult for people to make sure that, you know, if they want to make a difference, that the underlying investments really are. So it it is buy beware. So what are some of the different things that a sustainable, a true to label sustainable fund would be investing in? I'd say we could start at the social angle. Uh, Things like formal employment, paying people fairly, providing them benefits, you know, those sound normal to us in more developed parts of the world. But for companies that are investing in more developing parts of the world and places that you could label as third world or or emerging markets, you know, there's there's a lot of industries that have fragmented practices uh, on the social front, whether it's people in employed in an informal cash basis, paid without pensions and healthcare and benefits. So as a business leader in emerging markets, you know, from a social angle, one should be looking at how am I really affecting my employees? What is the you know, impact on their lives individually? Am I paying them fairly? If they get hurt working for me, am I giving them benefits and insurance? You know, there's a using our portfolio company, Green Coffee Company, as an example. We're in a market where uh, employment is very much fragmented. It's very informal. People are paid cash with limited to no benefits. So going in there with fresh investment and capital and having a perspective on employing people formally, paying them to bank accounts with insurance and pensions and things of that nature could be looked at as impact investing from a social lens. From an environmental angle, you know, kind of using the same individual example, Things like reducing water and waste, um, focusing on, you know, preserving the natural ecosystem of plants and things that are that are there in, in the area in which you're investing could be things that would be thought of on the environmental side. So this is just using like a agricultural company as an example and its employees. But things like that would be what you would look for uh, under the hood of a company um, that is operating in a sustainable manner. I believe that when going back to the social side, it's called a living wage, isn't it, that people can look at to see that, you know, you can make ends meet, you're not below the poverty line for that country, those sort of metrics. Even big retailers out here, you know, it's great to research whether they are giving that living wage to their employees. Any big company that, you know, has got cut price goods, it's always, you know, one of those wake-up calls, like how are you managing to do that and making sure that, yeah, it is done in an ethical way. So that's positive impact and how you do it. What are some things that ESG companies wouldn't be investing in? I know you've mentioned arms and oil, but what are some other things that they'd stay away from? Yeah, I mean, things that, I guess those are like the staple industries that you think of, right? Like weapons, tobacco, (laughs) and, uh, and oil and gas, of course. But I would say, 
you know, companies that have, that don't focus on corporate governance, that don't, um, that don't donate, that don't um, work in industries that we could be proud of, that really give back to society. So if you think of like just more general companies that like, let's think of like a consumer product company that sells paper towels and, and goods of that nature. And, and they say like, oh, we're sourcing it in a sustainable manner. You know, those are things that people will, will kind of say, oh, well, that's impact investing or that's CSG. And like, yeah, they're kind of taking a lens, but really the core business doesn't just like um, really lift up communities in any way. It's actually creating waste, right? <laughs> so with the paper products. So there's a lot of companies that, you know, that we use, we look at with an impact lens, whether it's like, how are they operating? You know, are they reducing paper waste in this example of this type of company? So people will argue that, all right, well, if you compare this one paper towel company to this one, they're doing things in a sustainable manner. It's an impact investment. So it's very hard to narrow it down to just industries. It's really like, what are you doing in your industry compared to the competitors? And then you can say that that's an impact investment. So guns and things like that and alcohol and, and all are, are like staples that you say, okay, that's not impact, but really any industry could or could not be impact is kind of what I'm getting at with that. So investing in, I suppose, military suppliers, oh, yeah. um, those kind of things are all out. Those are tough to label as impact. That's for sure. People will try to do so, but that that's like my example in the beginning, I would say. So the, the paper waste, I mean, we could be going, well, we use plantation timber not natural forest that's the sort of thing you're saying but at the end of the day you're still leaving waste <laughs> behind in the form of paper so I, I get what you're saying there how do we know like what do you have to do as the green coffee co to show that you're reducing water that you're being sustainable that you're recycling and composting how do we know that you're doing those things what do you have to report back to show people that that's actually happening Sure. So there's certain sustainability metrics that have been set forth by the UN, such as United Nations being the UN, uh, one being climate action, another being life on land, um, things like that. So we, we find several sustainability metrics that align with our business, and we've built an impact strategy presentation on that, uh, where we break down each of those individual metrics from the UN and explain to our investors and stakeholders what we're doing around them specifically. So there's no, you know, police of ESG that we have to report to or that we report to formally. It's really what do our stakeholders want to see? So they want to see um, that we can articulate it to them. So presentation materials, of course, such as a deck uh, around it, our impact strategy deck in the case of our company, things like our videos that we produce, that we share with our investors and our stakeholders. You know, we have professionally produced uh, productions from Colombia, from the farms, showcasing things that we're doing around formal employment, um, women that are employed as head of households in our nurseries and leadership roles, things on uh, the waste reduction that we're doing at the farms, we showcase in videos. So we'll report that to our investors uh, through large scale communications of videos and content that we've taken straight from the farms often with commentary from management. So it'll be the CEO or a board member talking about these things as we as we show them in a visual form. So it's a combination of videos and presentations. There's no real structure or guidelines to say, if you want to be an impact investment you have firm or an impact investment, you have to do this. But th that's how we do it. 
um, as an asset manager reporting to our clients. Now, globally, I think there's ratings of fund managers that play in this space from memory one to four. Do you know a little bit about how that works and how do you get rated? I don't know personally. Um, that's not a space that that we play in. You know, we like to do things in a lens that we know its impact because we're operating the company and, and, and we meet the certain metrics. But, you know, we're not certified in anything or, or have any sort of rating. And I'm unfamiliar with, with, with the scale, so I can't really comment on that. So ratings aside, now that we know that, you know, if you're greenwashing and you're going to get fined later anyway, you go back to those sustainability or social development goals that the United Nation puts out and try and match yeah. to those. And I do believe a lot of sustainable um, or impact investment companies do try and go back to those SDGs that are important. So that's that's your personal measure for that company to be able to manage your impact and report on that. That's right. So we've mentioned greenwashing a couple of times. Do you think we've covered enough about how that works and what it actually means? Can you just sort of do a bit more of a deep dive for us on what actually is greenwashing? Greenwashing is where you are taking um, some sort of component of the company that's green, for example, the donation of profits, um, or one particular division of a company. There's a lot of like multinational conglomerates that have various business divisions, some of which are entirely unrelated to one another. So maybe there's one CPG group or unit that is doing things with a sustainable lens and they're actually doing things right, but it only represents 10% of the company's overall revenue. So companies will showcase, you know, in this example, like an individual business unit that's doing things green, and it's really washing out all the, you know, the noise from the things that are not green, that are just standard business or against ESG entirely. And then they'll just not highlight things that are part of the business that are not impact and only show a portion of it or a piece, a peel back a portion of the onion to show that this particular part of the company is, is impact focused. So I think that is really greenwashing at its core is pointing people's attention to one part of the company that stands out as impact where the core business or or many parts of the business are not. So it's a sleight of hand. It's politics, really. Look over here. Look at this. Ignore this part of Don't look over <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> too funny, too funny. So why do you think it's rising in popularity that people want to be you know, exposed to and investing in this space. I've noticed my own clients, there's some that come to me going, look, you know, I wouldn't mind trying it a little and others going, no, look, I want my whole portfolio to be ESG. Why do you think it's it's rising in popularity? I think with the advent of information and a plethora of different investment opportunities is leading investors to say, well, look, there are five different choices of different companies in this sector if I'm investing to make money, I, I might as well be doing things right if I have a choice, right? So like people are more cognizant of putting things front and center for themselves, not just profit. So people are becoming less focused, not that they're not focused on profit, but more cognizant of the impact in their pursuit of profit. I, I think that's just something that's become more prevalent with investors in general, myself included. So, um, you know, just 
thinking of something as simple as like a rental property, you know, I, I don't want to play in the space as an investor on like very low housing where I would feel guilty, you know, raising rents on people in the pursuit of profit. I focus on luxury housing where people can afford it and then raising rents doesn't make me feel bad and it makes me feel good as an investor knowing that I'm creating a premium product for people. So um, it's, it's in everything that we do. So uh, that's becoming more important to investors, not just myself. And I don't know the exact reason <laughs> why that is. Yeah, I, I noticed even, even myself, it's, you know, the makeup I wear, is it being cruelty tested or is it tested on animals or those sort of things are becoming more important. So it's yeah. just that, like you said, that raised consciousness of, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, do I have a favourite brand? And then do I want to know what impact it's having around the world? One of the big criticisms that was levelled at ESG for many, many years was that it just performed so poorly compared to mainstream investments that included what we might call sin stocks in this space. Do you think that's still a fair criticism of ESG investments? I don't think so. I would say, on the contrary, companies that do things in a sustainable manner are rewarded with higher valuations from investors in the long term. I think Tesla is a great example of that. You know, the vision of the company being one that creates a sustainable future for the world has been awarded heavily with exorbitant valuations at certain points through its history in public markets. So some people might not label that as an impact investment or as an ESG investment. That goes back to our whole theme on labeling and what does it really mean in the first place? But I do think that in general, businesses that create more value for all stakeholders, not just the, the investors, but the clients, whether it gives them um, a better experience, it reduces waste, or it, it, it creates a positive social impact in people's lives, that drives higher valuations for companies in the long term. So maybe there's you know, these baskets of companies that are labeled as impact that have underperformed the market. But I would argue that in general, companies that make a difference and that are leaving a positive impact for the generations to come are the ones that get the very high valuations in the end and that are driven by investor dollars. It's always interesting to me, the electronic vehicle debate where, you know, we're not using fossil fuels anymore and we're not leaving all these, you know, carbon but the lithium batteries and lithium mining is so horrendous and we've got nowhere to put these batteries when they die down. I know France has electronic vehicle graveyards where these, you know, it's easy to just buy a new car and replace the battery and, you know, these batteries just sit there for ages. And so to me it's, it's still one of those we're not quite there yet in the electronic vehicle space, yet, you know, some people absolutely love them, think this is the way of the future, entire countries banning petrol-based vehicles, we have to go this way. So it's, <laughs> to me it's one of those, I don't think we're, we've quite got this right yet. So, you know, that's just me obviously, but you know, do you have a take on Very valid. <laughs> yeah, so interesting. So if people want to learn more about ESG, Josh, where's a good place for them to start? I would say to... Um... You know, it's not necessarily ESG specific, but read the Wall Street Journal. I think it's pretty unbiased content in general. Obviously, there's an angle from every author, but in general, I would say that it's a very good publication to keep your eyes on if you're a business leader or someone that just wants to stay privy to what's going on in the market. 
Um, look at a lot of different sources. You know, don't just follow one publication that you like. If you only like Wall Street Journal, yes, read it. But you should read other things just so you can get other opinions. So you don't look at things under an un, under a biased lens. So easy to have bias in any lens, whether you're conservative or liberal or ESG focused or not. And there's so much misinformation. I would say to craft your own opinion based on the information available to you um, in the various sources and conversations you have with leaders in the space and conferences and things like there's a lot of ESG panels and conferences that I see that I'm invited to or that I've attended. So there's a lot of stuff as well outside of like the standard periodicals that you can stay tuned in. Some of that's digital um, online, like online webinars and things like that. Yeah, the world of Google, hey, we can just research anything these days. I, I believe like even looking at different fund manager websites who have a focus or some funds in that space offer some good information, so it might yeah. be worth doing. Could you make sure we you send through all the information so I can include in our show notes today the information if people are interested in learning a little bit more about the Green Coffee Company and um, the work you're doing in Colombia? That would be great. I will. I'll put that um, in your inbox and we can add it to the show notes. Um, but I'll, I'll say here you can find us online at legacy-group.co. You can always send us an email as well. Any final tips, Josh, for somebody who's new to this space, hasn't invested before, wants to dabble a bit and find out more and get started? What would you say to someone just just starting out with ESG investing? You know, first off, do your homework, kind of try and define ESG for yourself based on the information we said here in the interview and what you're able to find online. And then, you know, maybe ask people that are in the space what investment opportunities they would define as ESG and then compile yourself a nice list of potential things that you want to look at, do some process of elimination, look under the hood of those that resonate with you personally based on your own you know, ethos and your own opinions and what matters to you. Maybe social impact you don't care about, but environmental means everything to you. So focus on that. Um, and then find opportunities that that meet that lens. That's really good advice because there's so many parameters when it comes to ESG and, you know, it can be everything, like you said, from poverty alleviation, living wages to rainforests. So, yeah, understanding what what is your definite lens. I've actually even got a little um, profile that I might include in the show notes as well that you can download and, and have a look and see, you know, all the different things that, and find out what's important to you. So I'll add that in as well. So thank you so much for joining us all the way from Florida today, Josh, from the Legacy Group. It's been lovely talking to you. Likewise, Amanda. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. And that was another episode of Financial Secrets Revealed. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you got some nuggets of wisdom out of that guest and enjoyed listening to their story. If you'd like to know more, please reach out to me. My contact details are in the show notes or hunt down your favourite bookstore to find Financial Secrets Revealed and learn more for yourself. I look forward to hearing from you.